Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into another edition, another episode of the AP Draft Room Podcast. In the midst of a crazy offseason in Chiefs Kingdom, we're here every week breaking it down for you. Uh, obviously, we weren't together last week, all three of us, um, but the whole trio is back, and they did a great job, the other two. But uh, first of all, I'm lead analyst Ron Cobb Jr. at ArrowheadPride.com. Fellas, Brian Stewart, Talon Graff, my guys, you guys held it down last week breaking down the Juju Smith-Schuster and Justin Reed transactions and the Jaron Christian, you know, Jaron Christian, the offensive tackle as well. But a lot has happened since then, and this offseason just keeps getting crazier and crazier, whether it is Chiefs-related or not. Um, obviously, we got a lot to break down, but uh, just in general, we got, you know, Tyree Kill traded. We got MVS back in, Marquez Vel- or Marquez Vel- Valdez-Scantling. Remember that, anyone trying to pronounce his name correctly, it is Marquez. He made that very clear. Um, we got a lot going on. I just, before we get into anything, just to, you know, intro, you know, intro yourself on this lovely day, Brian. How are you just feeling about the Chiefs right now? What are you feeling right now? My my word is hopeful, um, maybe patient. Actually, I'm going to go with patient because Ooh, there we go. Um, right now, there's no denying it. If you look at the team, they are worse as they sit than they were in 2021 and really any year before that, that Mahomes has been the starter. But I also think that big picture – there is a path, maybe a couple paths to getting them in a position to being as good of an overall uh, all around team. Okay. Offense, defense, special teams as they've been in recent years. And there's going to be a lot of evolution involved with that, especially on offense. So uh, my word, yes, again, patience. And I, I hope fans will be as well, but you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, I agree with that, Brian. And, and I think it's just a new chapter. I think it's all just yes. time to, you know, that that phase, that that first initial burst of Mahomes' career is now over, and it's time to, it's time for him to take on an even bigger role and be a bigger leader of this offense, and and see how he develops without that star number one guy that he kind of came up with, and he still has Travis Kelsey, still has his best friend, um, you know, and and he still has a lot of good weapons around him, and and a good offensive line and a great coaching staff. So I just think it's the next phase. It, it is scary. It's, it's unknown because we've, <laughs> we've seen this offense with Tyree Kill and how good it can be with, with those three. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how this offense does evolve without peace, without that peace now in it. Yeah. Well, no, when you said it's scary, that, that laugh, you could tell how ner- that nervous laughter, that's, that's that uh, laughter going into a new phase. It is scary. It is scary. That's, that was my initial reaction. It still is, man. It's, just a fan in me. It's still just going to burn inside. Just not having Tyree Kill, who I, I definitely believe one day will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I do I, I do get that, like, you know, probably the, the best years plays of his career are probably behind him. I mean, probably maybe the next two years will have some, you know, two or three years will have some great plays still, obviously. But, Brian, that's where we're going to start here today is just, you know, everyone's broke it down. I mean, me and Staggs broke it down, too, on the pod, uh, the uh, AP Draft Talk pod last week. Uh, Ron, the show and BK had their breakdown. We actually had the emergency pod as well. They've all talked about the the logistics of it. We've all talked about why it happened. Maybe we all talked about, you know, do we regret it? Do the Chiefs regret it? All that. It's over, right? It's done. It's 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 gone. Let's start here with just talking about how it's going to affect them on the field. How Tyreek Hill not being on this football team is going to look for the offense because 
a lot of their offense was built around having a guy that can do something else that no one else can do in the NFL. And Andy Reid exploited that all the time. I mean, we saw it and it led to some of those important plays, uh, obviously for the Chiefs. But, you know, one thing I, I, I do think is is we might see, you know, a, a change in the run game. Um, we might see a change in how they, they do drop back and pass, you know, how maybe defenses cover them. But first of all, like, I, I, I guess we can just start here. Um, Brian, I feel like you had a, a you know, some a logical take because as a fan, I was I was, you know, I definitely was hurt by the Tyreek trade. But, you know, what is the you know, are you are you pretty confident that like, you know, the trade compensation is worth it and not having the cap space is worth it? Like, are you like I feel like you feel pretty good about it. And 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 that makes me feel good. But, you know, maybe just spread your optimism to the people about how you feel about the Tyreek trade. Sure. Yeah. Um so let, let me try to sell you, sell anybody who's listening who who definitely is down about it. And I want to say I, I I'm sad about it too because there's a lot of good memories and and plays that he made. They didn't, they would not have won the Super Bowl without Tyreek. Um, but the way I put this into perspective is when they drafted Tyreek, it was a lot like a a lottery ticket. Okay, a two dollar, three dollar lottery ticket turned into millions. Okay, they won big with him. And they got what I think also is is a Hall of Fame player, um, but in this situation, whether it be by design or by accident, they did not just spend all that money that they got. You know, they didn't just spend all of the good return that they were immediately rewarded with by having that kind of player. And what they've done now is they they've invested, you know, part of it, and they've invested it in their future, which involves Patrick Mahomes, hopefully for the next. 10 to 15 years. Um, are those draft picks going to, are any of them going to be Tyreek? I'm going to say it right now. No, they're not going to get another Tyreek with that pick, any of them. Yeah. But the sum of them, um, the way that they're going to open up opportunities to make trades or the cap space, we, we already talked about a little there. Um, it's a chance for them to reset a little bit and, and get ready for another extenuated run. Cause there's been discussion in the past. We, we don't want to see the Chiefs become the Aaron Rodgers Packers or the Seahawks after they had their little run there. Well, both of those teams, they were very you know adamant about re-signing older guys who had been there for a while and giving them third contracts and, you know, just kind of holding on and hoping. Um, and this puts them in a spot where, where that's for better or worse, that's not going to happen. Uh, they're going to stay young and probably stick to second contracts for the most part only. And I think that gives them a chance to be, you know, a, a team that wins several Super Bowls in the next 10 to 15 years with Mahomes. So I'm okay with it, even if it does definitely hurt a little bit because he's a, he's a legend. Man. Right. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. I I, I agree with that. And, and that's something we all were kind of hinting at at the start of free agency when we didn't really hear their names and anything. Like, oh, are they maybe sacrificing 2022 for that long-term 10, 15 year stretch. I just didn't think it would come in the form of that. But when you do break it down, the contract, all that, you know, what the opportunity costs in terms of, you know, what you do save, you know, there is, there is definitely some logic to it, but you let you alluded to it. It does change the offense. Right. And there are some things we've, we've been seeing too. And Talon's going to have something on our latest signing uh, that for the offense. And that's running back Ronald Jones. I feel like that kind of does allude a little bit also as well to how this offense could change. You know, Ronald Jones is kind of a downhill runner more. You'll talk more about it. It could, you know, it could lead to maybe less zone running, more gap running, duo running, which we've been calling for 
Brian actually tweeted about that. Uh, we've been calling for uh, for a while, but Talon, you've been looking at him already. What does do you think he can bring, or how does maybe uh, the signing maybe change what you think about the Chiefs' run offense? I, I really like the the Jones signing. He's not an all around back. He's not going to provide you everything you need, um, but he provides something that they seem to be lacking last year, and that's explosiveness. And he seems to have an extra gear when he sees the hole developing. He, he has the patience to to, to wait and for it to develop. And as soon as he has that opening there, he has the gear to burst into in there and explode in the open field in the second level. And once he gets there, he's a tough runner, man. He he'll run through arm tackles. So if there's defensive backs or linebackers that aren't, that aren't uh, stuffing the gap as hard as they should, man, Ronald Jones will make them pay. And, and even if he does get tackled, he's going to get an extra yard or two just from his momentum and how tough he runs. So I'm looking forward to him giving a little bit of a spark to that, um, to that group. And again, he's not going to, you shouldn't use him in, in the passing game much. He doesn't have the the softest hands. He's, you know, <laughs> he, he just not trustworthy enough there to put him in situations, but um, I do like the signing. And I think he's going to be a really good running back and a, a really good secondary uh, to, to what the chiefs want to do. Yeah. And, and he was good with the bucks, right? I mean, he had some good plays with them. I think Leonard Fournette came in and was a better ver- version of what they wanted um, from Ronald Jones, which, Hey, that happens. I think Fournette just offered a little more in the past game as well as being that still battering ram of a back. Um, but Ronald Jones can be, uh, you know, that tough back, as well as be that explosive back. You said he had that 98-yard 90 yard run, the probably the best run of his career. Uh, Talon, you tweeted a, that out. But, no, the, the premise of this, though, is that, you know, we, we saw RPOs last year a lot, and, and that's what the Chiefs like to do in their run game, where, you know, the running back maybe can't get as downhill or the lineman can't get as downhill as, as they want because it could be a pass, and they, can't, they don't want to get that flag for getting down, downhill. What the Bucks did in Tampa with using Ronald Jones was a lot of uh, duo blocking, which is basically you know a lot of double teams right at the uh, uh, you know point of attack, and inserting maybe a tight end, you know, inserting maybe a receiver to kind of maybe be a, an, a lead blocker, an ISO block on a on a you know particular player, and that's the thing. We've seen some moves where you know we talk about Juju, uh, we talk about Marque- Marquez Valdez Scantling maybe being some guys that can block. We're also seeing the tight end position kind of get filled up too. Blake Bell is back now too. That's one we got to mention. And they liked Jody Fortson last year. Obviously, he got he had a big role as long as as well as Noah Gray. Um, Brian, like, I, I is this a just like a kind of a relief for you that they're kind of going this way, um, or or I don't know what do you think because this could lead to maybe some you know the passing offense maybe not being as threatening or just as voluminous. And I don't know. It is just kind of weird when you're Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, right? Uh, you know, maybe not uh, relying on the pass as much, but uh, do you think it could, you know, do you think it could have some benefits um, for, for kind of relying on it? You just hope that it's a good sign of, of um, really good coaching and, and making these changes because with a weapon like Hill going out the door, uh, you, you can't just run your offenses if he was still there. Things have to change. Really, they needed to change a little bit whether he was there or not. Um, and so, in a way, Mahomes is taking on more pressure now that his best receiver is gone. But yeah. you can alleviate some of that by um, you know, changing these schemes a little bit to fit the offensive line better. And you do start to wonder if that's what's going on. Um, given what they put on tape last year, the things we broke down, and also some of these new names that they've brought into the building it's kind of setting them up to be a little more diverse and maybe to go game by game and, and play an opponent in a way that best suits just beating that, that team. That's actually a great point. I really like that point actually, because you're right. 
And I think that's what you see from guys like, you know, I mentioned the blocking abilities of Juju and Marquez, although, you know, I, it is funny, you know, I, I'm just trusting people's opinion on Marquez because when you watch Packers, it, it, it does seem like they use Lazard as that guy a lot of the time as a, as a lead point of attack receiver kind of hybrid blocker. And so I'm not seeing it a lot, to be honest with you. But it does seem like he has, a, you know, a, a, around the league, uh, you know, a high opinion of him as a blocker. But Juju, you can you can tell because he's had to been right in Pittsburgh's offense. I mean, you know, you you have to be a blocker, and and he definitely has the the build and everything to do that. But they can also be really good receivers, so I, I like that. You're right, you know, they can be kind of game to game more. But that's the thing, and and this is the fascinating part about the conversation to me is like, do you think? like maybe focusing more on the run will actually result in defenses kind of still softening or like, you know, maybe committing more to the run and allowing the chiefs offense to finally get free, you know, not have that just shot soft cover cover two shell where we can't get anything vertical. Like maybe teams will risk more single high stuff and bring a, an extra guy into the box and more man. All right. No, no Tyree kill anymore. Maybe they, they trust their defenders to cover everybody on the field you know, when the Hill's on the field, you know, if you, if you play man, generally someone's going to get beat and, you know, uh, you know, Hill's going to beat somebody, right. Cause he's just that good. Um, so it is fascinating because were they more afraid of Hill in that situation or Mahomes? That's what I want to know. I don't know, Talon, I want your take maybe on just like, do you think it's it, like, it will work in terms of making defenses commit more to the run or will we just have to become a running team and like defense are just going to kind of continue to give it to us. Right. Like, is that something that could happen? I would love for the Chiefs to become a team where defenses are forced to stop their run. Uh, the, yeah, so if the Chiefs become around the league and around, you know, when when defenses game plan for them, hey, we got to stop this running attack. Dude, you still have Travis Kelsey that is going to be killer, you know, against uh, in, in the play-action game. You have speed guys and Hardman and MVS that are, you know, good at – to, to still kind of blow the top off. Um, so yeah, dude, if, if you, if you start attacking guys and getting downhill with Jones and starting to pull uh, Smith and, and Tooney and starting to wear defenses down early and these guys are just getting beat up and starting to load the box. Now, all of a sudden you're getting your outside receivers in a lot better situations that Tyreek Hill was already putting you in. You just have to create the situations now that Tyreek Hill had, had you in there by default, create them. They're, they're still going to be there. You just got to get there in a different way. Yeah, that's the thing, though. A Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, now uh, Matt Nagy, and they're you know very creative minds, you know, especially in the run game kind of thing. I mean, we we will see a lot of a lot of different kinds of things, but it does just make me think. Another point about you know maybe not no more no more RPOs potentially or you know less RPOs is that one of the main reasons you run those is how effective Tyree Kill is at destroying somebody's angle. You know, if if the slot cornerback guarding him has the slight step inside towards the run action. Tyreek's destroying his angle and getting 15 yards. So some of that stuff is, is a product of having him now that you don't have him, you know, that that's, uh, you know, it is, it is going to be, you know, something to think about, but that's the thing though. We have a long time to think about how it'll go on the field. I think during the summer, we're going to have some, some fun kind of breaking down, you know, what the offense could look like when we know the full extent of how they, how they've done this. But to this point, let's talk about free agency, what we've seen so far. Let's talk about, you know, obviously, you guys talked about it last week, the signings, but we've seen Dion Bush sign as well to safety. He was pretty funny on Twitter. Uh, you know, he got signed the same day we traded away Tyreek Hill. So, uh, you know, he, he played along well. Uh, obviously a bad time. Bad timing to announce that that trade. Uh, but uh, go look at his Twitter. It's pretty funny. Um, Ronald Jones, we already talked about, obviously. 
but also linebacker Jermaine Carter Jr., who I have been looking at, and I'll have a breakdown on the site. He might be the Ben Neiman signing, but this is where I want to start off here, or the Ben Neiman replacement, I should say. Excuse me. But this is where I want to start off here, fellas. Positions that maybe all of a sudden we know for sure are prioritized in the draft all of a sudden free agency, um, post-free agency. We might want to rank them a little bit, you know, maybe discuss through which which ones make sense, you know, it, you know, because need could be a few different things, right? Uh, Town, when you're thinking about positions, which ones make sense the most to be like the first picks in the draft, whether wh- wherever it is, right? We're going to get into that later. But what position makes the most sense to you to be like the top priority right now after free agency? Uh, defensive end for me would be priority one. Um, I mean, you they they've restructured Clark, and that's the only movement they made in that in pass rushing department. You know, they've they brought back Derek Naughty and and stuff. But yeah, I mean, nobody else. Um, you know, the, the, Melvin Ingram's still there. He might be a late you know guy that you yeah, bring back. Right. But um, but yeah, I think you know, and you look at the way the draft is kind of laying out there's some guys that the chiefs could have their eyes on. And now that they have two first rounders, man, that, that's some ammunition. So edge, right. I think that's, yeah. that's, the, yes. that's the appropriate. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's right. And I think Brian would agree, but I also think Brian is looking at a few receivers, uh, you know, for a profile. So I don't know, Brian, like, are you debating whether receivers should be the top priority? What do you feel about kind of, cause I do think maybe those are the two positions um, that make sense as the top picks, right? Definitely. I'm not debating that particular question, though, because just to like put it very simply, if I'm looking at the roster right now, who is going to um, help them win the Super Bowl or win the AFC? Which position group can they not accomplish those goals with? I think the receivers, even though they need to get better, they could win the AFC with what they have as long as the rest of the team was good enough. I think defensive end right now, they they can't win the AFC. I, I don't know that they can win the AFC West with the defensive end room the way it is right now. And so um, that's definitely number one. And then receiver, I mean, there's corner, of course, because they do need a starter, whether it be just a, a one-year type of thing or mo- uh, long-term. They need a starter there too. So between that and receiver, I think you're looking at number two uh, and then number three, whichever you don't prefer. Okay, so there's been rumor that, you know, the Chiefs might be in on a free agent corner, whether that be Stephon Gilmore, obviously a big name, um, or trading for James Bradbury, the Giants cornerback. They'd have to trade for him. But maybe if that happens, let's imagine maybe that happens in imagination land. Would safety move up your board in terms of – because I do think people kind of – you know, I I do think it's easy to say, oh, they got their safeties, right? Juan and Justin Reed are going to be the two guys, and then you have Deion Bush and then – you know, maybe just a later round guy or something, or maybe just another vet signing we we haven't seen yet. But I don't know. I like the thought of a of a you know maybe a first round safety. I don't know. Like uh, I'll throw it back to you, Brian. How high does safety may the safety go above corner if they get a cornerback signing, or how high could safety go on your list in terms of you know if, if a cornerback does get signed? Could it even rival maybe wide receiver edge? Because I don't know. With some of the names, it could to me. Like it maybe just just in terms of the football players that we could be picking us at the safety position. At safety, I'm looking for day two value. I'm not yeah. one. I'm not going to take one in the first round because I do think those other three spots we talked about, wide out, DN, corner. Um, and that's the thing, man. These four positions we are discussing, 
are very deep in this draft. It sets up really, really well for the Chiefs, I think, that way. Because most years, that's not the case. I mean, there's some years where none of those positions are are particularly deep. Um, so I, I would wait till day two on safety, but there's no doubt they need to be thinking about it. You know, if, if they get to pick 50 and the 30, 35th best player on the board for them is still available and it's a safety, why not? Uh, they don't have... Okay. Yeah, they don't have anybody long-term in the position other than Justin Reed, and even that's only a, a two- to three-year deal depending on how it goes. So, yeah, they got no, room to get better. That, no, that's really fair. That's that's the the conversation we have to have about positional va- – or, you know, just the strengths of this draft class. And I think in general we could talk about how the, the entire class might be a, kind of strong in the second or third round. But safety is definitely true of that. I think there just might be a – you know, one, you know, one or two names in particular, we've talked about a bunch that uh, would be super enticing at pick 29 or 30. But no, I do agree. So let, let's uh, let's officialize it where we go. Maybe edge first, receiver second, cornerback third. I think is that probably true? I don't know. What do you guys think? Cornerback safety third or fourth? Is there another position? OK, so maybe I would tier say, d- yeah, I would say defensive tackle would be my three. Yeah. OK, I'm glad you said that because I yeah, I. That is true. I do. I do like the thought of. Is there somebody in this in that first round? Uh, you know, they've been talking to uh, that we'll maybe talk about after the break. But so yeah. So Brian, are you feeling that too? Uh, I don't know. Defensive tackle at third or fourth, especially if they do sign a Stephon Gilmore or uh, uh, you know the James Bradbury, right? Absolutely. And I'm not going to take us down a huge rabbit hole here, but if if this Tyree kill trade becomes like a, a theme or a pattern in their roster building, oh, Chris no. Jones, Chris <laughs> does, um, you know, he's only under contract through 2023 and next off season would be the time to trade him. And you could probably get a similar package in picks if he has a season like he normally does this year. So something to think about. See, and that's, that's a point I should have made, but that's, that was kind of the name that I would have been like, like obviously hurt by, but like definitely okay with if that was the name that was in place of Tyreek this offseason. And I know it's not the same contract, you know, process, you know, part of their fate, you know, phase of their contract because Tyreek was, you know, Christian not asking for an extension right now. But uh, no, I like it just Tyreek was just untradeable to me. But Chris Jones, that might be one of those where you just, you know, it's it's been great. But yeah, you got kind of have to pick your pick your battles in terms of when his value will be the uh, the highest. But Positional value, we've talked about it. That's about five positions we've talked about. Is there any other one that sneaks into your guys' mind? Like, is there kind of an off-the-wall one they could pick? Is offensive tackle a possibility in the first round? Or is that just – has they addressed it too much? Talon, what do you think? I, in the, I was I was with you until you said first round. I don't think they're going to go first round with it. Um, but so I, Second, I, maybe? Second, maybe? It depends on if – I think it's going to be a BPA situation. I think that's the only way they take an offensive tackle semi-early is if – if a pinning or someone is, is tumbling, you know, yeah, you, you got to take that. But other than that, maybe follow LA if he falls, you know, I'm not sure where his value really lies on a lot of teams, but yeah, I think that's the only situation where, where you really think an offensive tackle is going to go. I think that's more of kind of a, a middle round, find a guy that can play um, both interior and, and on the edge. Yeah. That's a pipe dream to think penning might fall. Probably. It sounds like it at least, but if he did, I would, I'd be all about that. Get, just throw him in at right tackle. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I rated him lower than like a Raymond or a, but I just feel like, you know, if we are going to go to what we're thinking, we might go to run offense wise. I mean, 
man, he would just be a fun guy to have in there. I mean, so would Paul Lele too. So, I mean, uh, there, there are some, some sneaky options, but any other position is linebacker. They, they couldn't go linebacker high, right? Not high, not now, better not, but yeah, right. Hey, with Willie Gay having some injury history, I don't think it'd be the, uh, it wouldn't be a bad decision to take one in the fourth, you know, fifth, sixth round and, and a guy who's got athleticism to possibly replace him if he misses some games. Yeah. Cause I, I, I will say we didn't talk about Jermaine Carter, the signing to a full extent at all. Cause you know, it, it's, we have more to talk about than that, but I will say he will contribute. He, he's not just, you know, uh, uh, like a, I mean, he started all 17 games had the third most snaps on the Panthers defense last year, which was actually a pretty decent defense. Um, and he played a lot of Mike for them. I mean, he was playing, you know, he was he was calling the shots a little bit. So it is kind of a, you know, an interesting signing. He might just be a, a depth, uh, you know, a depth Mike or, a, you know, just a guy that can contribute in the base. But um, that's the thing that that fills a spot. And then they also signed Elijah Lee, who does kind of project as just a special teamer, I think. So, but yeah, so I think linebackers out of the question towards the top. No, you know, there's no other, you know, there's no running back to tight ends are going to take. I mean, there's no way, right? Um and they're not, I don't think they're going to take interior off the line. So, yeah. Okay. So, final off. So, final list is probably going to be what? Edge, receiver, defensive tackle, cornerback, safety, offensive tackle. Does that sound right? Any objections? That's pretty solid. That's pretty and solid. I would, I would slide running back after offensive tackle. I would say that's Ooh. somewhat of a need right now. I mean, you yeah. got, you got CEH, Gore, and Jones. I would, I think. I think there's some value in, in getting a guy in the maybe fourth round. And so that's, I, I like that point. And maybe we can touch on that real quick is that what kind of back would they be looking for now? Right. Cause now you have CEH, you have Ronald Jones and maybe they can do, and maybe they're trusting CEH to do more of the pass game work, but maybe not, maybe they're looking for a guy to do more pass game work. So what, what do you think talent? What kind of back should they be looking for? I like a Tyler Beatty type of back the, the Mizzou product. And he reminds me a lot of Jarek McKinnon and what they do a lot of the similar, same things. And um, he can catch the ball, but he's a good between the tackle runner too. He's just, his frame is small and he's not durable enough to be in every damn back. So, um, but yeah, someone like him, I mean, if, if he falls or not, not even necessarily falls, but if he's there, that's a great value add in the fourth round. Um, and I, and I think he would contribute one in, in certain schemes and, and, and in the certain mold and the same mold that you saw Jarek McKinnon in. Yeah, Brian, do you agree? Would you like to see them spend a draft pick on kind of finding that kind of guy, or would you rather them just sign like a Jarek McKinnon? I don't know. It is kind of interesting because it's not like McKinnon would sign for much, I'd imagine. What do you think? Yeah, him him and Daryl, to me both, they would need to be vet minimum guys. Um, yeah, da- real quick, it sounds like Daryl, the ship has sailed. I mean, the kind of the tweet laughing at the Ronald Jones yeah. signing kind of tells you all you need to know, but go ahead. Makes you think he didn't maybe even get offered. But um, yeah, I'm not opposed to that at all as far as uh, a late draft pick because you're talking about four years of control on the player that's going to be really, really cheap. And if you do hit, it's some, it, it can answer kind of the, the long-term outlook at the position uh, because you know, Clyde, he's not a three-down back and he's not going to be. We kind of know that at this point. Um, if it was the case, they wouldn't assign Ronald Jones probably. And Ronald Jones is only on a one-year deal. So may, maybe you find a player who can step into a, a bigger role after 2022. Um, it's a good point. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think they're going to do it until day three. 
But day three, I think it does make a lot of sense. When you're armored with the draft capital they now have, like, you know, it makes sense that if you're thinking long term, hey, why not get, you know, hey, Clyde still got two more years under contract. And I guess more maybe, you know, a year after after this one. So maybe, you know, that, that's a little different thinking about it. But yeah, maybe instead of just like trying to like keep patching up with veteran running backs, just sign a guy, you know, you're going to have for four years. You have the draft capital anyway. It's not like you're, you know, kind of sacrificing something. But speaking of draft capital, that is what we're going to get into after this break coming up. Uh, I'm excited to kind of get nerdy with with the uh, the numbers, uh, how they can shift around, play a little Brett Veach magic here uh, after this break. Appreciate you sticking with us, and uh, we'll we'll catch you on the other side. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge. That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back in on the AP Draft Room podcast. Thank you for listening. It is draft season. Free agency has been crazy, but we are moving on from it. It is slowly winding down, and draft season really is here. There's about a month till the draft. My birthday is always on the draft, so it's always a uh, momentous occasion. Uh, I, I, I love the draft. I love just nerding out, watching the draft, and we're going to nerd out here. That was a great transition because it doesn't get much nerdier than examining the Chiefs' picks and seeing what packages they could get to trade up or trade down. So much ammo right now. Eight picks in the top four rounds, two picks each round. We're going to get into it. I'm going to list off the picks real quick. So after all, after the Tyreek trade, they now have pick 29, pick 30 in the first round, pick 50, pick 62 in the second round, pick 94, pick 103 in the third round, and then two fourth-round picks, 121 and 135, along with three seventh-round picks, which, you know, not not much to examine with those, but uh, boys, let's get a little let's get a little nerdy here. Do we want? Do we think Veach is going to trade up or trade down with the with you know from that first pick? Because it it's pretty obvious with all this ammunition, it would be a little silly to just kind of stay stagnant. Um, you you have so much flexibility in terms of you know if you you know where you can go in the draft. You know what kind of tiers of the draft you want to fill yourself in. 
Um, you can move around so much. Uh, Brian, I'll start with you. From that 29-30 combination, what do you what would you like to see them do uh, trade up, trade down wise? So first, there's a lot of smoke around them wanting, you know, liking basically every receiver who is kind of valued in the first round. Yeah. I mean, you, you name it. There's been a a person who has some, you know, validity to their name come out and say, oh, the Chiefs really like this this player, this wide receiver. So if that's really the case, and I don't really know if I believe it, um, you would almost just say, well, let it come to you. Uh, keep 29, 30, and the rest of your picks and just take the receiver that's there. But I, I don't really think that's the case. And so um, I think they trade up. For one, Veach has never traded down um, in his years as GM, uh, at least True. as far as I can remember. No, that's that's a good point. I I wrote about that. I I point that I forgot about. So for bringing yeah. that to our attention, he has never traded down, and they also have twelve picks. They don't need to make twelve picks. You yeah. know, they, they should probably fall in that eight to ten range realistically, with with ten even being quite a bit. So I think you go up, you go up to uh, probably around twenty. And you get your preferred wideout, who you're going to make the long-term Z receiver, um, and, because they only have Valdez Scantling coming back after this year, as of right now. So you you need a wideout long-term, and so that that makes a lot of sense. That's what I expect to happen. Talent, you agree? And uh, he mentions going up a few picks, and and I will say real quick, to get to about 18 or 19 for the traditional draft chart, it would take. 30 and pick number 62, their second, second round pick. If they want to go that route, they could obviously send a little bit bigger of a package. But anyway, are there any receivers you're thinking when he says that, that you kind of like maybe at that spot? Or I don't know, what are your thoughts maybe just in general on what they could do with the first few picks they have? Yeah, if if they are to trade up for a receiver, I, I kind of expect it to be a big splash, like a Jameson Williams or a Drake ah. London type of guy. Um but I think with Tyreek Hill out of the mix, that, that big-bodied receiver, and you got Juju, I don't know if they trade up for a guy like that now, but I think if you trade up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be for a Jameson Williams type or a Garrett Wilson type. Um, yeah, and then another scenario where they might trade up for, I think defensive tackle, we were just talking about Chris Jones and his long-term feature with the team. You know, We're not sure what that feature looks like. So if you trade up for a guy like Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, who, who you know is a guy you're going to have to trade up for, he will not tumble to 29 or 30 in my opinion. Um, but if you want to go defensive tackle and if you want to stay put another guy's Perry on Winfrey, that's been getting some first round love. Um, and then you just stay and pick some back to back. And, you know, if you say 29 and 30, they can Perry on Winfrey and a David Ajabo, all of a sudden you got two guys that are going to come in and, um, really potentially change your defensive line for the next four or five years. Yeah. Ojabo is some, is someone that's interesting because obviously he just tore his Achilles, right? Achilles, right? Not a. Yeah, unfortunately, obviously, but you know you want to take him in the first round, right? Because you get that fifth round uh, or fifth year option, excuse me, um, down the road that can gives you kind of that uh, that leeway to kind of have him a little longer um, and give him that maybe red shirt kind of year. Although, you know, with modern science, you know, he could be contributing on a play in a playoff run uh, potentially if you if you pick him this year as a rookie, just as a situational pass rusher. But I do think the idea of trading up for Devontae White is juicy. I think Brian, someone you mentioned, uh, maybe if they want to get all the way up into the top 15, which I think would take their pick 30 and pick 50, their first second round pick, maybe a guy like Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, the edge rusher. 
Um, you know, he's obviously a pro ready guy. I think that everyone uh, for sure should be excited about, but uh, I don't know. Is edge and receiver kind of the only ones that make sense to trade up for? They wouldn't go anything crazier than that. I don't know. What do you, uh, Brian, what do you think about uh, the possibilities of Jermaine Johnson or just anybody else? Definitely. It's going to be, it's going to be receiver or, or D line. Um, you know, just value wise, need wise, it all lines up. Um, but one thing I, I'd be curious to know, uh, the conversations that are happening amongst teams, we have the perception, we've been looking at all these players. The general consensus seems to be, hey, this draft is really good in the middle rounds, right? Two, three, fourth round. If that's the case, you got to wonder if, uh, if you're Brett Feach and you're calling a team who's got pick 20, pick 18, pick 19, are they adjusting their value on the, on those charts a little bit? Because they feel like the, right. the 60 second pick is better than it is most years. I, I don't know that that's the case. Cause that kind of, you know, that's deep thinking and a lot of consideration when you have a chart right in front of you, but um, it could make those picks they have even more valuable than they are in most years. So uh, hopefully that's the case. Cause it could, could get them to keep those picks uh, that are higher up in the draft. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And yeah, that's that's the thing. You never know which teams. I do think teams are advancing to where not every team's just using the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, which, you know, has kind of been, you know, a lot of people like to call it a kind of maybe a little outdated, uh, possibly, but it's just a way, it's a point of reference, obviously, to go off of. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely value in acquiring more middle round picks in this draft, especially because of the depth in certain. But. I'm about to blow your mind. Why not? Why not a world where the Chiefs have three first round picks? <laughs> I, I, I'm almost ready to pull that trigger because we 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 haven't seen true first round picks in a while. I mean, we we have Ceh, um, but Brett Veach. I think if he's going to be aggressive, this is the draft to do it. You, you have tons of capital. You have some capital in next year's draft as well. I could see something happening to where they trade up for a splashy pick in the top fifteen, take someone with twenty nine or thirty. Uh, whichever one they keep a hold of, and then package some later round picks and trade up back into the first round, uh, say for somebody who might be tumbling along the offensive line or possibly um, a cornerback that might be tumbling toward the late round uh, as well. So you never know, man. I, I kind of want to live in that world. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> man, they have the ammunition. That's the thing. We've never seen Brett Veach with this kind of ammunition. He's picked maximum six picks each time he's been the GM of a draft uh, for the Chiefs. And now he has 12 picks total, eight picks in the first four rounds. Um, and so, I don't know. Let's transition maybe to what they could maybe do. Let's just say they pick two first-round picks. Maybe they do stay put. Maybe they stay there. I don't know, Brian. Let's like, let, Would you rather have maybe two or three second-round picks and sacrifice third or fourth-round picks? Would you rather kind of be closer to that top 100 range? I don't know. I mean, if, if we're talking edge receiver or taken, what kind of positions are you trying to double up on? Are there any mid-round draft pick prospects you're really liking? I don't know. Let's just talk out these these top 50, 60, 70 picks. Yeah. Well, let me just – I'll give you a hypothetical right now, okay? Okay. Because I was the guy who, at the beginning of the show, was trying to tell everyone who's listening that, you know, trust this Tyree kill trade. So I'm going to give you some names, and you tell me if how it makes you feel. You know, tie that in with the trade, okay? Let's say they give up a – one of their third round picks to go up in the first round. All right. So they've got five picks in the first three rounds. If they walk out with guy, I wrote an article on that'll be out by the time you're listening to this, hopefully 
Um, Jamison Williams, the receiver from Alabama. Okay, speed demon. He can come in and play that Z spot. Uh, I actually, after watching the film, I kind of said, I think he can be, like, on the low end, he can be Deshaun Jackson, um, which is is good value. You know, that's something that they could use. So, Jamison Williams first round from the trade-up. Okay. Let's say they scoop up David Ajabo, who Talon wrote the article on, uh, defensive end, okay? Or if you want to go with somebody who's not hurt, like Jamison, you could say Arnold Debakiti. Boye Mafe, your your preferred the end. Yeah, yeah. Second round, Tariq Woolen, okay, the corner who's a freak athletically. Uh, let's say they do scoop up a D tackle, Travis Jones at a UConn. Okay, uh-huh. we'll get him at uh, sixty two. And then third round, they come back and they do grab a safety like Nick Cross. All right, um, at one of those third round picks. So you coming away with with Jamison, um, like I said, Mafe, Abikiti, or or Ajabo, and then you get Woolen, Travis Jones, and Nick Cross. I think that's pretty solid. I mean, that sets you up. That sets you up in a, in a big way and in some important positions. Hopefully, if the players pan out. So yeah, you, do you like the idea of doubling up on D DL even if it doesn't mean two edges? Because um, right. I do think if you look at defensive tackle, I mean. If you count Chris Jones, it goes Chris Jones, Derek Naughty, uh, uh, Tershawn Wharton, and then the guy I'm forgetting that is also a rotational player, Colin Saunders. Um, so, I mean, they have four guys that are, that are capable of rotating in and playing. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, you know, Colin Saunders in a contract year, Turk Wharton is a, you know, he's year to year. We don't know. Uh, and you just mentioned Chris Jones maybe getting traded. Um, yeah, so I mean, you might sacrifice maybe a year where maybe he doesn't play. I don't know. That's the thing. Travis Jones would over outplay, you know, Colin Saunders and Turk Wharton most of the time, I would imagine. Um, so yeah, no, it is just interesting. I think I like doubling up on edge, though. I don't know. I, I, I like, uh, I like stacking it, but that's the thing. We don't know how they feel about Joshua Kane, though. I mean, maybe there's, maybe there's something there where they, they think they have something, and that's why we haven't seen a lot of attention on him. I should add to, in that scenario, I'm still operating under the assumption that for one year they have Melvin Ingram back. Um, yeah, right. Would kind of help alleviate that, but of course, you know, it's no guarantee that Ingram's going to be um, as great yeah. as he was for the Chiefs last. Okay, so they had eight picks in the top four rounds. We talk about these trading up scenarios. You know, if they trade up in the first round, they might lose a third or a second round pick. When it's all said and done, and be a way for them to kind of finish it off they do like to sign their priority free agents or you know draft their priority free agents so they have to compete with them uh with other teams necessarily all that to say how many picks do we actually think beach comes away with uh in this draft uh town I'll, I'll start with you let's just think this through do we do we you know he has eight picks in the first four rounds how, out of those eight picks i i i'm gonna say he makes five picks in the first 100 uh selection so However he gets there, I think there's going to be at least five in the top 100 and then three outside. I'm going to say he, he makes eight selections this, this draft. Eight selections total, but six. You said six in the top or five in the top 100. Mm-hmm. And they have they have six in the top 103. But, yes, they will. They I So you're saying multiple trade-ups, you think? Because I think. Uh, I think so. I think that is the right move. Brian, do you agree with that? Or uh, just give us a number as well. I'm going to say nine. And same five in the top 100 or or 103, whatever that last third round pick is. And 
when it's all said and done with, given the positional depth, I think it could be the best draft that he's had. It should be, honestly. It should be. They just got to execute, hit on these picks. Because he hasn't picked a lot of players in the past, you know, only six picks. That's going to be his draft strategy every year because now we're seeing that they might be sacrificing short-term stuff. So this might be the, the year that maybe they do just – maybe they do draft nine or ten picks like, like you say. I'm going to put the number – I'm going to say he ends up picking seven draft picks total. Just one total. I think, I think Talon's on to something. I think Veach is going to get a little hungry, and he's going to maybe get aggressive in that first round. We might see him even do more than we've even talked about where maybe we see, him, see a couple second or third round picks to go up these talented guys i'm excited man that's going to be super exciting we are going to jump off here going through the the uh, end of the podcast film room video once again haven't done it since the season ended but we're excited about these draft prospects and we're going to bring we're going to write them up obviously we've been talking about them this podcast so you will see um them on the field in action we'll break it down for you so make sure after you uh, are done listening to this it actually may not be out yet but uh Get it on your reserve. Get it on hold to go watch that on the YouTube channel. And we're going to go there right now. So appreciate everyone listening. This has been the AP for Brian. Thank you as always. And we will see you on the YouTube channel. Thanks.